श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री श्री गौर नितानंद की जाय श्री श्री दाऊ जी गोपाल की जाय श्री श्री गौर राधा माधव की जाय गौर भक्त वृंद की जाय गौर प्रेमानंदे हरि बोल नाम चिंतामणि कृष्ण चैतन्य रास्य विग्रह पूर्ण शुद्ध नित्य मुक्तम विनत्वम नाम नमिनो सो वी गैदर्ड ऑन द स्पेशियस ओकेजन टू गिव द ब्लेसिंग for chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Nam Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. This Nam Mantra, consisting of three names arranged in uh, a form of sixteen, um, repetitions of the names is found in the early text of the the um, Kalishantarana Upanishad. Upanishads are of course attached to the the Veda Vedas, the four Vedas. Each of the Vedas has a corresponding group of Upanishads attached to it and these later texts, the Upanishads part of the Shruti, the Vedic literature, um, speaks about experiential spiritual life as opposed to a religious orientation to human life, which is what the Vedas mainly deal with. Gita mentions this when Krishna instructs Arjuna, Trigunya Vishaya Nistrigunya Bhavarjuna, Nivandavaneti Sattvastoni Yoga Chematmavan. The Vedas deal mainly with the modes of nature, movement within that. And he encourages Arjuna to rise above that. Hmm? Near yoga. Hmm? So, our orientation then is an Upanishadic orientation, followers of the Gita, as we are, followers of the Bhagavatam, as we are, which we consider a sequel, really, to the Gita, um, and there, in the as I mentioned, the Kali Santra and Upanishad, we find the, probably the first mention of this uh, Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Someone had raised the question as to the eternality of Krishna and Vaishnavism as we think of it in relation to the academic insights that lead um, Indologists to think of the of Vaishnavism and Krishna as an evolving human construct mm-hmm. over time and history. Um, and given certain methods of ascertaining uh, the dates of texts employed by academia. It's largely considered that the Bhagavatam is something like a 4th or 6th century type of uh, um, uh, a uh, text, sacred as it is, and that the Upanishads predate it considerably and, and um, that the connection between the two is 
is the Krishna, the full developed Krishna there, as he is in the Bhagavatam and the Vaishnavism. Um, the path of worshipping him is one of a later cult and so forth. Um, of course, we don't look at it in, in the same way, and, and we here is an example of a connection between the Shruti and the Smriti in the form of the Bhagavatam, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, which is central to our Vaishnav practice and our sense of eternality of Krishna and his being the full face of the uh, uh, the deity, the absolute Swayam Bhagavan, the Shruti reference, Kalishantana Upanishad, of the Mahamantra. I don't know that what's considered the dating of the Kalishantarana Upanishad, but um, um, it is an Upanishad, so I'm not sure what Veda it's attached to or how that might be looked at, but it's an example anyway in the Shruti of um, connection between what we are uh, engaged in under the uh, sacred uh, Guidelines, if you will, an inspiration of the Bhagavatam and the teachers representing that, and the earlier, if you will, uh, texts. Of course, this is not the whole story, and and um, really, what you find in the Upanishads is a emphasis on a formless and a absolute with form, both sides. And from our perspective and our interpretation, the statements about the formless nature of the Absolute can be understood in a couple of ways. One, that it refers to Brahman itself, hmm? one of the aspects of the, of, of the divinity of the Absolute, Satchit Ananda, hmm? being, knowing, loving, or... Um, existence, consciousness, bliss. It may be interpreted in different ways. Same, same meaning. Um, and Brahman is identified with sat, with being, eternal being, and it is formless. This is one way of understanding. Another way, of course, is that uh, the statements that speak of a formless absolute are also it's also valid to consider such statements to be speaking about the idea that the form of the absolute is not like is a non-material form. Hmm? So he has no form in terms of the forms that we are familiar with, and that the forms that we are familiar with undergo the various transformations of birth, hmm? maturation, giving off of byproducts, uh, dwindling, and and dying. Hmm? And so the Godhead, the Absolute, does not have a form like that. Hmm? So sometimes it's said formless. And otherwise, how can it be that it also has form? Hmm? So uh, we emphasize the. the uh, we, we read the texts like this, and for good reason. There are hundreds and hundreds of statements, thousands of statements about the eternal form of the Absolute, and, and so forth, and they, and they date all the way to the Upanishads, as I'm explaining. There in the Veda, of course, Vishnu's name is mentioned. He's not mentioned as much as Indra, 
understandably so, Indra's the chief of the god of the gods, uh, if you will, uh, and and presides within material nature, whereas Vishnu presides over material nature. The Vedas are mostly about, as the Gita says, moving within the modes of material nature, various rituals and sacrifices for acquiring things materially, and to improve our human life or our prospects materially in the, beyond this life. Hmm? Again, that's not a spiritual orientation, more of a religious orientation. Um, however, there are, Vishnu's name is mentioned, and the quality of the references to Vishnu are different than they are to uh, Indra, for example, which can lead us to the conclusion that the position of Vishnu is, is different, and arguably Vishnu is the god with form, transcendental form, that the Upanishads um, refer to. And the Puranas are coming after the Upanishads, and they are developing the ideas. The word Purna and the word Purana, Purna means full or complete, and Purana means ancient, they derive from the same Sanskrit root. And indeed, the Puranas, the ancient spiritual, if you will, histories, they are histories in that they are narratives of events, of spiritual significance, worth recording. And most of the stories, or a good number of the stories in the different Puranas are there in seed form in the Upanishads as well. But the Puranas complete through Puranas, through stories, through narratives, teachings that are more abstract that uh, as found in the Upanishads, that when you tell and explain the point by telling a story and a narrative, you can more readily get people's attention. Hmm? So it's the argument of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas that the Puranas are actually more important than, in a practical sense, than the Upanishads. Hmm? And amongst them, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the full face, and all the Puranas, or Mahapuranas, they all say, say that about the Bhagavatam. Hmm? The Bhagavatam itself says that about itself. And there it says that Krishna is the full-blown face of Vishnu or the God with form in the Upanishads. And his name is mentioned. His name, I I should say the chanting of his name is advocated as the principal exercise or spiritual practice of those who embrace the theology and the philosophy of the Bhagavat revelation. The book ends with a statement uh, um, advocating Nam Sankirtan, the last verse of the Bhagavatam. And throughout, again and again, hearing and chanting about Krishna is uh, advocated. So the advocacy of chanting the holy name of Krishna, and and indeed the particular form in which that has been emphasized by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who told his disciples to chant this Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. It's found in the Shruti itself, in the Upanishads. Hmm? Not that this matters to too many people in the world in general, hmm? It's an older argument that uh, had more um, value, in a sense, in a time when, or in a culture when, 
the Vedic texts were the standard of knowledge. People don't accept them as the standard of knowledge today. There are other means of acquiring knowledge that people put more, uh, lend more credence to, and so forth. Um, and but it's, anyway, it's an academic argument. Somebody brought it up, just coming to my mind as we speak, and um, I replied to that uh, issue along the lines that I have, but I further went on to say that really it's not, someone was presenting this as a real challenge to the devotees, and I said, I don't think it's really much of a challenge. There's a question of the historicity of Krishna is involved there and so forth, and I've explained it as I have in one sense, um, but in other sense, the Krishna that we're interested in is not so much a historical Krishna, although there is a historical Krishna. Rather, the, the vision of the historical Krishna as seen by devotees whose character is in, in inspiring to us, ideal, and in whose uh, uh, example we want to we want to follow. Hmm? So the Krishna that we're interested in is the Krishna that we've heard about from a devotee, isn't it? From in that devotee's heart who's very taken by a certain notion of Krishna that has transformed his or her life. Hmm? And that example speaks out to us, inspires us, and then he or she can articulate that, and so we want to follow that Krishna. And that Krishna, that, that Krishna <laughs> resides on earth always. That's the teaching. Although not visible to everyone. It's like it is said, in Vrindavan, Krishna is always present, but he can't be seen by everyone. And when Krishna was present, Historically, it is said, not everybody could see him. Just like something wrong with the car. What's the problem? Open the hood, let's take a look. What do you see when you look in there? Who knows? <laughs> but if you call the mechanic, oh, then he was looking at the same thing that we're looking at. But he sees things that we don't see, right? So, it's very practical. So it was with Krishna, who is to be seen as far as how the devotees are talking about him and experiencing him as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu experienced him hmm? with eyes of love. Premanjana Charita Bhakti Bilochanena Sandasadeva Hridayeshu Bilokayanti Yam Shama Sundaram Achintyaguna Sarupam Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Prachami Statement of Brahma in his Sangita. Hmm? That when the eyes are tinged with a salve of love, of prem, then Krishna, Shamsundar, who has a chintaguna, he has a swarup, a nature and a form that is full of inconceivable qualities, appears in the heart. Hmm? So, that Krishna is living in the heart of certain devotees, that's a fact. He's always on earth, hmm? but not always visible to everyone. Hiding in the hearts of the devotees shows himself externally in their good character, that's hmm? compelling to us hmm? because of some contact with this over time and so forth, a certain point that 
the uh, interest is perked to the point of seriously pursuing that Krishna in the heart of devotees. Hmm? This is our concern. Hmm? And I think it's a very modern um, way, in a sense, of dealing with the issue of the dating of books and so on. And so forth. It really doesn't matter to, to too many people. What matters is what the example that someone else shows that there's a, and if they do that, they show an example that there's a possibility of experiencing the, the sense that I have, that humans have, that there's more to life than I often say that what meets the eye and the mind, hmm? the spiritual, the transcendent. Hmm? And then can that person compels us to pursue that. that we, th- there's, we feel there's hope. Hmm? And, and that person articulates that, gives the map, if you will. Hmm? Uh, and he draws from the sacred texts. And his main text is the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? Someone said to me, well, isn't the Krishna of the Bhagavatam, you know, the Braj Krishna and the Krishna of the Gita different geographically, historically, in terms of cults that formed around them? I said, there's the cult of Hastinapur of the Pandavas, and there's the cult of Vrindavan of the Gopis and Gopas. Hmm? They're different geographical locations. It's true. And there are different religious conceptions. Rag Bhakti and Vaidhi Bhakti. <laughs> in that sense, yes. Hmm? But it's not that Krishna in the Mahabharata is somebody just who appeared in Hastinapur or something. It's well known in Mahabharata that he's born in Mathura and, and he has a Gopi, Gopa past and so on and so forth. And so Gita and Bhagavatam are well um well connected, the dots are connected by those who have real interest in Krishna, not merely an academic interest in Krishna, which is just another perspective, an academic perspective and a spiritual perspective. Just like there are different types of philosophy, today it's thought that analytical philosophy is really the real philosophy, the way to go. A lot of people think that's a popular idea. But there's no evidence to the fact that that it's more inherently a better method of, well, philosophizing. Hmm? There's continental philosophy. There's Indian philosophy. Hmm? The contrast in the modern world between analytic and continental philosophy is the analytic philosophy is, is one that's very much tied to, to science, hmm? observable truths and philosophizing in consideration of that. Continental philosophy has is another form of philosophy that, that's modern that, that has some doubts about the extent to which analytic philosophy may gravitate towards a scientism, hmm? and uh, which is not science, but a conjecture on the basis that, that doesn't have a real scientific basis, and so on and so forth. So an Indian philosophy, of course, arises out of India in pre-modern times and so forth, but it doesn't mean that it's somehow inherently inferior. Hmm? Um, so, we go forward with Indian philosophy, and we are in consideration of modern thinking and so on and so forth. Um, and and we gather today to bless students for chanting and to impart the Diksha Mantra to uh, some students as well. And um, so I begin in this way by um, mentioning the beginnings of the 
from a scriptural point of view, the earliest discussion of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, and what's said in the Kalishantara Upanishad is the same thing that the Bhagavatam says, and the same thing that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's developing the Bhagavatam, and his teacher, his and his followers, what the implications of it are. Um, the same thing is said that the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Kalishantara Upanishad said, is the mantra for Kali Yuga for deliverance. Hmm? Uh, for our time, in other words, from the Bhagavatam's perspective of time. That's a whole other subject. <laughs> but Bhagavatam has a perspective of time, and it says time is now, and it's time to transcend time. And that's what the Bhagavatam is teaching, about time. It's time to transcend time. It's time to die, and you have seven days left. So the time is now, within the week. And uh, it could be Sunday, it could be Monday, it could be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. There's no other day. And the Raj Parikshit takes it seriously. I mean, there he is on the bank of the Ganges, Sugadev appears, and this is the, this is the issue. How to end, uh, transcend time, because this body has a time. It's a, it's a sentence and a cell. Hmm? It's a confine, confining situation for the cell, for the Atma, and it has a time limit. So, how to transcend time. This is what really the Bhagavatam speaks about. I mean, in the context of that, it speaks about Kali Yuga and, this, and other Yugas, not much information about other Yugas, as we were discussing the other day. But Kali Yuga, and the emphasis is now. Now, it tries to emphasize in such a way, now is crucial, it's vital. Spend your time on, on spiritual pursuit with, a pursuit with a sense of urgency, the Bhagavatam speaks. Hmm. And this is the method, as I say, of the Bhagavatam and of the Upanishads. Hmm. Um, this Mahamantra, 16 syllables, is mentioned there in Kali Kalmashanashanam, the influence of Kali will be destroyed. Hmm. Sarva Veda, Shudrishite, all the Vedas say this, it says. So. This is the Nam mantra that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has uh, mandated that his followers uh, chant. There are many names, but this, and they can be chanted also of Krishna, but this particular Mahamantra, um, consisting of the names Hare, Krishna, and Ram in an evocative case, have been emphasized by him. Hmm? And it is said, of course, here we are gathered for Initiation, it is said clearly uh, and emphasized that the name of Krishna is non-different from Krishna. Hmm? The name and the named. But that the name is more merciful than the named. Hmm? And also that the name is independent of initiation. So I'd like to comment on these points. Someone asked the other day, why is it that the name is more merciful than the named? Hmm? That Krishna's name is more merciful than, than, than the form of Krishna, the person of Krishna. Of course, they're non-different. Hmm? Still, there's a difference in that the name is more generous, but why? So just a very practical explanation is that a great person, a well-known person, is known by most people in terms of their name. I've heard of him, I know him, hmm? by way of the name. 
But to know him personally, the named, that's not possible for everybody hmm? who knows him. Do you know him? Of course I know him. Why? Because you know his name. You've heard about him, right? So people's names tend to be more widely distributed and they tend to be known by their names hmm? more readily than they are known personally. The name is known and thereby the person is known, but the named himself may not be known hmm? by those who know the name. Hmm? So it is with the holy name, except for the fact that the name and knowing the name can can surely bring us in touch entirely with the named because the name and the named are non-different, but the name is out and about more readily. Hmm? And thereby the named makes himself known. So everything in the name of Krishna, his rupa form, his gunas, qualities, his lila, hmm? all present in the name. Mahaprabhu's dispensation is one of Namsan Kirtan. Narutam speaks of it when he says, Goloker Premodhan Hori Namsan Kirtan. The Prem of Golok is being, uh, has been exported here from there hmm, through the vehicle of, of Namsan Kirtan. So this is the main practice. Now, again, the other point I'm speaking about at the moment is, again, as, as I said, the name is said to be independent of diksha. Here we are gathered to give initiation. How to understand that? Some people misunderstand this and think, I don't need initiation. Hmm? Because the, the holy name of Krishna is independent of initiation. So I simply chant the name of Krishna. And... And... Uh, avoid the guru. Hmm? Of course, it's true that the name is independent, clearly mentioned, of, uh, of, of Diksha. In one sense, it means that the name is Krishna, and Krishna doesn't depend upon anything. He can reveal himself to whoever he wants, and he does, of course. But it is the name himself, Nam Prabhu, who teaches. What? Hmm? The Nam teaches, or we are, or let's say we are taught about the name also. I want to say the name teaches, but we are also taught about the name, that offenses to the name should be avoided. What one am I thinking of in relation to what we're discussing at the moment? Gurur avagya means it is an offense to the name to disobey the orders of the guru. Abhagya. Hmm. So, the name is independent of diksha, which is given by the guru. Hmm. Some people think there's no necessity for initiation, for chanting nam. Well, indeed, people do chant without being initiated, and they hear the kirtans and so forth, and maybe they participate. Hmm. At the same time, that brings them in due course to association of devotees and 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 if they want to progress in the culture of chanting the name, they learn that there are offenses to the name that should be avoided. Hmm? This is one of them. 
to disobey the guru. It means to disregard the guru. Obviously, we disobey the guru. You disregard the guru. Hmm? So to disregard the guru is an offense to the name. This is the teaching. So therefore, yes, the fact that the name is independent of diksha is one thing, but it, the interpretation of that is not that therefore I don't need to get the name from the guru hmm? and and be instructed by uh, a, a sadhu that I might progress in the nam, the culture of the nam, dharma. Otherwise, I'm avoiding and disrespecting the principle of the guru, whom, for that matter, hmm, is the person through, I've heard the name. You have to hear the name being chanted through somebody's disciples, right? Who received the name from their guru. So you've gotten the name from the guru, hmm? from the guru parampara. Hmm? And now to not recognize that, not to show regard for the guru and the way in which the name comes to us, this is an offense to the name. So the name is independent, but the name himself has chosen to reveal himself in this way through the devotees, hmm? through the Guru Parampara. So to have disregard for the Guru Parampara hmm? and think that I don't need a guru, I have the name, is to not understand how the name himself is teaching practically hmm? in terms of how he chooses to reveal himself and and um, and we become then culpable of of nam aparad. So it's important that we hear the Hare Krishna Mahamantra from our guru. It is said in some of the writings about the uh, life of Advaita Advaita Charja um, that at one point Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his uh, infancy refused to take milk from the breast of his mother, I guess, after being born. Hmm? And, um, or at a certain, some, yeah, after being born, maybe not immediately, but at some point he, 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 he was able to speak and he, he said, I'm not taking any milk. And, uh, and his reason was because you're not uh, um, initiated. Hmm. So Advaita came and gave the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, said, to uh, Sachimata. Then Mahaprabhu would drink the milk from her breasts. So this is one story. But in the philosophical points, I think, uh, are uh, underpinning such an idea given in a, in a narrative about Advaita are um, much important and to be underscored. So, so we, we do have a... And a nam initiation, a blessing to chant the name, we, and then we have the diksha mantra also. Um, so both we're um, giving today, and and they, about that, they, they complement one another. Hmm? So a little more generously, we give the... the uh, the, the Maha Mantra and encourage the devotees to chant. This means that they will chant not only in Sankirtan but also on Japa. Hmm? So the Japa Mala that we'll give, this is a Guru Mala, not a 
a store mala, which you can go and buy beads in the store. Hmm? And then, you, what do you need a guru for? It's another reason. You can get them in the store these days, you know. So, no, uh, but we want the, the guru guru mantra, and um, and and guru guru japa mala. Hmm? In Pujapad Sridharmarsh's mat, he would not allow uh, students um, who. Uh, had not been initiated to chant on the mala. Hmm. They could chant in Sankirtan, but not on the mala. Hmm. So, this was his policy. So it can be done in different ways. Prabhupada did it differently, but Prabhupada's way of doing it was that he would encourage people to chant on the beads, and when they chanted to at a certain point, uh, when they became steady in that, then he would give the Harinam initiation. But it was clear in both instances that the that you it was very important to receive the Hare Krishna Mahamantra Mahamantra from the Guru. Hmm. So this is the point that Sridhar Maharaj wanted to emphasize hmm, by his particular method. Hmm. And Prabhupada emphasized in a different way, but it was or did it in a different way, but it was clear, very clear to all of us that this was the idea you could chant all you wanted, but if you never got initiated, well, it's like you never you never graduated, so you couldn't really work in the world. You couldn't you would have a false you would be a, you would be a quack if you didn't get your medical degree, so to speak. So it was clear to all of us, and uh, uh, when we were chanting and waiting to get initiated, that it wasn't sufficient just to have the beads. That and we would either give our beads to Prabhupada that we were chanting on already in those days, um, and then he would chant on them and give them back and so forth. And So, important hmm, principle, which is, again, to avoid this offense and show proper regard to the guru in the different ways, which we may, as I say, emphasize that. As I mentioned Sridhar Maharaj's way, because it's probably something some of, some of the listeners have not heard Hmm. So, um, it's uh, um, the, the the connection with the Guru is so important to us. This is foundational to our um, spiritual life. And the Harinam and the Diksha Mantra, these have been dis- discussed by Jiva Goswami um, as I said, the Mahamantra is in the vocative case. The way in which the names of Krishna are in the Diksha Mantra are different than that they appear in the dative case. But what makes the Diksha Mantra what it is, if you will, is that the names are present there. So the name is still predominance of the name. And in the dative case, they are arranged with some other words that speaks to and assists us in sharanagati, hmm? the surrender of ourselves, so to speak, the resignation to, to the practice and so forth. Hmm? Pujapatrita Marsh gave the example of two circles. There's a large circle and then a smaller circle within it. The Nam, Mahamantra, is the larger circle. It extends 
to the lower section of society, to anybody and everybody. Unqualified people can hear the name and and benefit, even the non-humans and so forth. Hmm? Uh, and the name extends to the highest region because it's non-different from Krishna himself. Hmm? Ultimately, the method, if you will, given by Mahaprabhu, is said to be, and this is exemplified in, in the case of Gopakumar, uh, described in Sanatana Goswami's Brihad Bhagavatamrita, chanting the holy names in Sankirtan and meditation on the leelas of Krishna, which, the latter of which, is fostered by the chanting, kirtana prabhavi smarana svabhavi. By the power of kirtan, the mind will be arrested and the capacity to meditate will come. What will you meditate on? The name. And what's in the name? The rupa, the guna, the leelas of Krishna. Hmm? So, it will all come out in due course. Hmm? So, in the end, Gopakumar was successful in his pursuit by chanting and sankirtan, the favorite names of Krishna, and remembering certain pastimes. Hmm? So, this is the main uh, method. But the mantra comes, and the mantra is there in Bhagavatamrita, helping Gopakumar to a certain extent, to a certain point. Hmm? So the mantra has a point where it comes into play, which is at a point where the Harinam has qualified one. Hmm? So the lower circle, we come up a little bit, and then there's there's the larger circle, I said, then there's the smaller circle. Hmm? And we become qualified, reaching that point, and then the orbit of that circle of the Diksha hmm, plays itself out, and it retires at a certain point also. And this is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that the name of, that the mantra delivers us from samsara, samsara muchan, and the nam delivers us to Krishna Charan, to the feet of Krishna. Hmm. So they work together. Hmm. If we look at the efficacy of the Diksha Mantra to be deliverance from sangsar, which is mukti, of course, mukti is one of the subjects of the Bhagavatam, but the name mukti here, the word mukti refers to the idea, the two-sided idea of mukti given in the Bhagavatam. When Bhagavatam explains the subject of mukti, which is one of the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam, it, it says, mukti-arhitvanata-rupam svarupena-bhavastiti. This mukti consists of removing the negative and svarupena-bhavastiti, situating one in, in the positive, in terms of their svarup, you can say. Hmm? So we have something called svarup-siddhi. This occurs in bhava-bhakti. At this point, the mantra has reached its its efficacy, hmm? but the name continues, and we find examples in the Leela also. Ram Ram Mahabahu, and the cowards are chanting, Krishna Nam and Ram Nam, and gopis are chanting hmm, the names of Krishna and so forth. They're not chanting Diksha mantras and and so on. So, this is the way they um, are thought to work together, complement one another, and their um, 
important, the, the Diksha Mantra is important for the conditioned souls. And, and, and the qualification is, is, is a number of things. It's a, it's a qualification in terms of having understood theoretically the Sambandha Jnana, hmm? and some sense of what this is about, a greater sense, what the goal is, and where I'm going with this. And because the Diksha Mantra helps to focus that also. Hmm? The relationship with Krishna that we pursue, it's fostered by coming out of the, of the Diksha Mantra. So it's not, as it may be thought in some places, just for being a Brahmin and now you can do deity worship. Uh, I mean, you do need the mantra of the deity to do the worship, but of the deity. And it's employed in the worship, so you have to have it and you have to receive it from the Guru. And, uh, and of course, Guru Bhakti and Krishna Bhakti in relation to Archan, they, they go together. So um, you can't do one without the other. So we need for that, but it, but, but, um, one may never do archan, but they will. They certainly need to receive the diksha mantra that will help them pursue their the the a, the opportunity. I want to say window of opportunity that the guru parampara that they're connected with presents them with. So uh, both types of initiation both have their place. Both important. And I mentioned I should mention them all. I suppose in this occasion I mentioned the the uh, offense to the name. There are ten of them. First offense is to disobey the or is to disregard the Vaishnav. Second offense to uh, to uh, disobey the Guru. To offend the Vaishnav. To disobey the Guru. To consider the names of, the, of other gods and goddesses uh, to be equal to the name of Vishnu or, or Krishna, mm. um, and to give some interpretation to the holy name, create some concocted interpretation. Mahaprabhu said, "I don't know anything." The name is when asked by Balaba, but hear my commentary on the name. He said, "All I know is the name is Shamsundar." Uh. Yashodanandan, he who suckles the breast of Yashoda, the dark, beautiful, dark boy. He was saying that I, all, my commentary is the name is non different from Krishna. Hmm? That's my commentary. So to give interpretation or to cons- or another offense, then four or five, to consider that the the, the glories of the name, the all the things that can can result from chanting the holy name, that these are exaggeration. Hmm? Examples there of Haridas, who was asked about the efficacy of the name, and he said that just by chanting it, a shadow of it, you'll get mukti. So one Brahmin took exception to this. Mukti is very difficult to attain. And you think that just by chanting a shadow of the name, you can get And And Haridas said, well, yeah, that's what the scriptures say, actually. The man cursed him, hmm? that he would his nose would fall off. And shortly after, the man got leprosy on the nose. I guess his nose fell off. So, uh, hmm. no, this is the, the, these, uh, the, the, again, if the name is not different from Krishna, then what can he not do? 
So there are, of course, and this is an aside, there are scriptures that do exaggerate for effect, for fear effect, or prospect of what would be good for if you do this to get people on board. These are lower impetuses for getting involved in a religious life out of fear or out of material prospect. And the Puranas do take a license to exaggerate along these lines at times. Um, that's why, again, this is mentioned. This is different. Hmm? Exaggeration may be there for effect, but what's said about the name, this is uh, not so. And then um, there's a, a sixth offense is to um, consider that the that the um, that the various sacrifices that are mentioned in the sacred texts and that Nam Sankirtan, which is also a yagya sacrifice, yagnai yagnai Sankirtana prayer, Yajantihi Sumedha said to be the the yagya for Kali Yuga in the Bhagavatam, that it, they're the, they're unequal status. No, they're not. And if you look carefully at them, uh, it's it's um, accurate to say so because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in the first greater part of the Vedas is dealing with ritualistic sacrifices and so forth for material gain. Namsan Kirtan is, is not for that. It's not for that purpose. Hmm? Indeed, as we go on with the offenses, we'll find that the tenth offense is that to maintain material attachments while chanting the name, despite so many instructions on the name, means the name, for chanting the name, this is for leaving the material world behind. Hmm? Not for making progress, so-called, within the material world, which other Vedic sacrifices in the whole sacrificial arena of the four Vedas are dealing with. Hmm? So, it's a different character altogether. And then it's also an offense to think that, well, the name has these virtues, it's very powerful. It said, one chanting, once chanting the name, you can become free from more sins than you could commit. So I could sin and I could chant and then I had lived in the best of both worlds, no problem. So this is this kind of mentality is thought to be offensive. These 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 statements about the name are true, but we should be humbled by that and and uh, try to chant attentively and, and so on and so forth and um, live the kind of lifestyle that um, is supportive of such. So so we can't. Uh, we can't uh, can continue on one course and chant the name, which is another course, and think that we 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 can we can we inevitably will have material attachments, or there may be some impiety that arises in us while chanting. But to think that, uh, that that's not something to be to be done away with, and so forth, and to prayerfully submit to the name and employ him to give us the power to do so. And and to think, as I'm saying, that, well, it's okay, I can sin and I can just chant, sin and chant. This is offensive. Hmm? So that's six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> then uh, I think I've got them all except for one. 
and that is that um, we should not uh, give the name to the faithless. Hmm? And this, in some respects, refers to the guru who gives the name. Hmm. Guru is giving the name, right? And um, and uh, that means that, that it can't. It's defensive to make a business out of that. I think this guy's—he's got a good job. He's got a lot of money. If I give him the name, then he'll support me, and I'll have an old age old age pension, and everything will be. Uh, all my needs will be met and so forth. No, not like that. We should see that people have faith in the name aroused by Sambandagyan. The Guru has to have the Sambandagyan to give that. Hmm? This is knowledge in relation to Krishna. Hmm? Um, and that's part of bhakti. When we say this is the path of bhakti, not jnana, it doesn't mean that bhakti doesn't have any knowledge in it. So there's knowledge about Krishna, his form, his qualities, what's his relationship with his shaktis, and so forth. This is all called sambandagyan. So the guru has to give sufficient sambandagyan to arouse faith in the disciple. Hmm? And when that faith is awakened, the heart is then fertile for planting the seed. Hmm? I like to give the story in this connection of Gorkishore Das Babaji, who was a well-known Siddhamahatma of his time and one wealthy person who had everything socially except a guru to pull out and say, and so-and-so is my guru as well. Uh, he thought that I need that part of my social package in place so I will become a disciple of Gorkashore. And I will go to him and I will ask him whatever he wants, I will do. And what can he want? He doesn't want anything. So, And I have lots of money, so he wants a house or something. I can fulfill anything that he wants. So... This is his thinking. He went and met Gorkashore who was living in, in the fields near where people would pass stool so that people wouldn't bother him. Hmm? And uh, so he went there and he said, Babaji, uh, Maharaj, I want to take initiation from you and whatever you ask, I will do. So Babaji Maharaj was very insightful and clever and he said, very good, I'm so happy to have you as a disciple. I will accept you. I have only one request that is all. Yes, whatever you ask, Maharaj, whatever you ask, I will fulfill. He said, my request is that you stay here and live with me. And he ran away from that place. So he wasn't concerned about an old age pension. Hmm. Um, and uh, he wasn't concerned that he needed anything from the disciple. At the same time, we should think, not what my guru can do for me, but what I can do for my guru. <laughs> a little bit of both, something like that. We can think, what my guru has done for me, now what I can do for him is this, the real uh, issue, so to speak. So, so with that, what is the time? Ten eight. Okay, I have a tight schedule this morning. So I'm going to end there the brief talk covering some of the the salient points about what this um, gathering this morning consists of. And as we continue now, I will give the tapa, the pundra, the mantra, the nam, and the yagya. And I will initiate people into performing the sankirtan yagya.
and with regard to the holy name, and also the yogi of Archon, hmm? um, for those who, who um, already have received the name and will receive the mantra diksha. And those who have received the mantra previously, they've got the tapa from me. We, the tapa means it's, a, it's a penance and austerity and it's knowledge. And the, the tapa used to be, as I've said before, in some of those lineages, they would, uh, Vaishnava lineages, they would brand the disciple with the symbols of Vishnu. Our method, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was different. We anoint the disciple with, uh, with the, with the, uh, with the names of Krishna in sandalwood or in, in, uh, Gopichandan. Hmm? And, uh, and then, uh, so mantra, tapa pundra pundra means the tilak, so to the, uh, uh, Harinam initiate we'll give the tilak. Udva pundra means straight up and down, not like the Shaivites. This is identify mark that I'm a devotee of Vishnu and then the particular way in which we um, draw the mark on the forehead. They will be marked by their forehead. I think it said something like that in the Bible. Um, um, is uh, classifies us as a Gaudiya Vaishnava. Within Gaudiya Vaishnavism there are different lineages, paribars, and they have different nuanced tilaks, so we do the way we do in the Bhakti Vinoda Paribar, if you will, as we refer to it. Hmm. And uh, so, Pundra, Tapa, Yagya, Mantra, then the Mantra, in the case of the Nam, soon it will be the Maha Mantra and then the Diksha Mantra for the others. And uh, and you get a spiritual name, too. So, Yagya, Nam, Mantra, Pundra, Tapa. So, with that, you can come forward first for Harinam. We also give the the uh, the Kanti Mala or the the garland around the neck of Tulsi beads identifies you as a Gaudiya Vaishnav. Very good. So, these are the ornaments, the jewelry of the of the Gaudiya. People, there is iron, there is brass, there is silver, there is gold, and there's Tulsi. Not entirely accurate because she's in another category altogether, but as far as ornamentation goes. We would think that the golden would be superior, but no. Even in relation to the gunas, the banana leaf is superior to the golden plate. In Madhavan, of course, we serve during festivals on banana leaves spread out. That's the plate, right? You've been there. So this is superior to a golden plate and that's Satpagun. This is the Sudha Sattva Tulsi. All right, so. And the, we have the two lines going up and then coming down. This is meant to be drawn like a Tulsi leaf. Om Keshavaya Namaha. Very nice. I think that's the best I've done it. I'm right.
reciting Krishna's name. So you get the Pandra and the Tapa Krishna. Very good. All right, so then I, um, I'll also give you this bead bag, and it's mentioned in Haribhai Bhakti Vilas that the beads will go inside, they'll be chanted. First, beginning with the large bead and the middle finger and the, and the thumb, we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Then go to the next bead all the way around and it gets small, like a tree is big at the bottom and small at the top. Then turn around and come back down. So once around, from big to small is one round, back the other ways. Two. I used to think it was, you had to go two, so I used to chant 32 rounds a day until I got initiated and I found I was doing it all wrong. <laughs> so, um, and you don't chant on this bead, the Krishna bead, right? So the beads go in the bag, and um, there's something to that also, in that uh, it's said that... Uh, that uh, One's mantra, one's guru, they should be kept, kept hidden. There's a sometimes not always the case, but it's a kind of a private thing. Drop is a meditation, so the beads are for dhyan. So it's mentioned Hari Bhakti Vilas, and the bead bags are made in this way. You put your hand in the bead bag, middle finger and the thumb, chant, and the forefinger sticks out. Hmm. This is a finger we do different things with more. So it stays outside. Okay, and then we have the, the, these are called, for lack of a better name, <laughs> counting beads. But you are to chant, not to count. Um, nonetheless, you're going to tell me how many rounds you're going to chant. And uh, that's the general rule here. Of course, if you're living with me, then very quickly you find out that if you live with me, you have to chant maybe more than you had um, initially committed to. Um, and you're living with me, right? I like that. <laughs> I like, I like uh, your company. So these are, uh, these are the small group, and that's 16 on there, and this is the big group of four. Mm-hmm. So pretty zen, if you will, but big is small and small is big. So in other words, once you chant, in this scenario, these are 16 beads, once you chant 16, then you pull one of these down. Hmm. So each one of one of these equals 16, and four of them equals 64. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommended we chant 64 rounds a day. That's a lack, 100,000 names. 16 rounds is 25,000 names. So what it means is, this is serious business in your life. You should give a lot of time to this attention to chanting. That should be mentioned also, that inattentiveness in chanting, Bhaktivinoda says, is the source of all other aparads. And therefore, implication is you should be attentive to the teaching, to the philosophy, to the scriptural map, if you will, where you learn the sambandagyan, which if you learn, then you won't make offenses. Because if you learn, oh, the name is is not chanting the name, is not like a horse sacrifice or something. 
then you're not going to make that offense. So people who don't have any sambandagyan, they make these offenses. And then people give initiation without sambandagyan, and this is this is not good. This is a concern of Bhaktivinoda. So it is of ours representing him as well. So you tell me about how do you how will you be chanting? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, come here. Om Hari Krishna Hari Krishna 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 Hari 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 Rama Hari Rama 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 Hari Hari. Okay, your name is Kishore Krishna Das. Kishore Krishna. Kishore means youthful. Hmm? Youthful. Krishna is the internal youth. And you're quite youthful yourself, so. One of my younger students. So you're in the formative years. Hmm? We want to keep you an eternal Kishore. Hmm? In your innocence and purity, yes, we should, but that should be preserved. Hmm? Like Krishna's youth is eternal. Hmm? He never gets old hmm? and tired <laughs> and laments, oh, I wasted my youth. No, use your youth wisely. Krishna Kishore Das. Kijai. Okay, come receive the mantra. I will give you the the uh, the Gopal mantra. Now it's the main mantra of our sampradaya. This has been um, uh, explained in the uh, revealed, I should say, in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, and uh, explained. I have written a commentary on that. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're familiar with that. It's the main mantra, and then afterwards you come, and I'll give you other mantras that we chant daily, and some for the. Seva Puja, the Archon, that you'll be participating in as well. Okay? Okay, come. Okay, very good. I'm very happy to have you as a fully initiated student. I have confidence in you, and I'm very happy that you're comfortable living with me and all my human idiosyncrasies. Come. Okay. Okay, now you're fully initiated. Okay, I give you my full blessings. Make progress in Krishna consciousness. Andamai Dasi Kijai. You got a picture? That's Vrindaranda's system. So make, oh, we want to make sure that the devotees get the picture taken of them getting initiation. They can keep that and and uh, remember the moment. So it's, I know the feeling because I was initiated too. Twice, three times actually, three, three times. So with that we, we, we'll conclude our, our um, discussion. And as I say, you come afterwards. And um, uh, did you get my email to print out the mantras? Okay, so... Sean will print them out and you bring them on a paper to me right after this and we'll conclude and then we'll have a little festival of feasting and so forth afterwards. Shri Sri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai Gaur Nityananda ki jai Gaur Bhaktabrinda ki jai Gaur Premanande Haribo